0: This is On Point. I'm Meghna Chakrabarti. The U.S. Attorney's Office in Delaware has been investigating Hunter Biden, President Joe Biden's son, since 2018. The question at the beginning of the investigation five years ago was about potential violations of tax, foreign lobbying, and money laundering laws. Hunter Biden began working for foreign interests, particularly involving Ukraine, China and Kazakhstan, during his father's vice presidency in the Obama administration. While he had registered as a domestic lobbyist, Hunter Biden failed to disclose his foreign relationships to the Justice Department, as required by the Foreign Agents Registration Act. However, prosecutors struggled to prove that Hunter Biden intentionally violated the law. But the investigation has since narrowed. The Washington Post first reported last October that federal agents may have gathered what they believe is sufficient evidence to charge Hunter Biden. The potential charges involve three tax crimes and a false statement related to a gun purchase. Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss, who's been supervising the case, has yet to indict Hunter Biden. But new reporting suggests that prosecutors are nearing a charging decision. Meanwhile... Since January of this year, House Republicans began their own investigations into President Joe Biden and his family. While it resurfaced some of Hunter Biden's business deals, the interim GOP report released this month found no evidence of wrongdoing tied to the president. But it did allege that members of the Biden family, including Hunter Biden, received millions of dollars in payments from foreign entities in China and Romania. So today we want to further examine the details behind the headlines surrounding the president's son. What are the facts behind the narrative? And how could they impact, if at all, the president himself as he prepares for re-election in 2024? Well, Adam Entis joins us. He's an investigative reporter for The New York Times. He's followed the Hunter Biden story for many years, including a 2019 profile titled Will Hunter Biden Jeopardize His Father's Campaign? That appeared in The New Yorker magazine. More recently this year, he co-wrote a piece for The New York Times on the federal investigations into Hunter Biden. And Adam joins us from Washington. Welcome to On Point, Adam.
1: It's great to be here.
0: So first of all, I'd like to uh, unfold in as much detail as possible what's going on with the current U.S. attorney's investigation. Can you tell us what they're looking at uh, regarding, um, first of all, the potential tax violations?
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, it, you know, like you said in your introduction, um, you know, at the very beginning of this investigation, there was thought that maybe he violated, far, uh, you know, lobbying rules and uh, money laundering. You had all these very, um, uh, you know, kind of uh, uh, very strong-sounding charges uh, that uh, that were being discussed. And just to clarify, I'm, I'm not aware of him ever, ever registering as a lobbyist. Uh, I think he avoided doing so by limiting his role with these companies. So he didn't have to register as a lobbyist. What happens is, is the Justice Department looks at these uh, instances. For example, he's on the board of a company uh, called Burisma in Ukraine, an energy company there. He... Uh, he is uh, an equity, uh, you know, he he takes an equity stake after his father is vice president uh, in a company called BHR in China. He um, you know, uh, tries to do a deal and begins to do a deal with a Chinese uh, energy company run by it run by this tycoon from China. And so they look at these things. Um, and they're looking to see, did he, was there money laundering, uh, was he lobbying? They, they don't find that, right? They mm-hmm. find interactions, some interactions between, uh, you know, his father and some of his uh, business associates. They have occasional meetings at, at dinners, but no substantive engagement. Uh, and what they come down to in the end, the investigation, is really uh, much narrower issues, uh, very banal issues, such as, uh, his failure to file in a timely basis two of his tax returns. Um, did he take uh, business expenses of approximately thirty thousand uh, dollars? Did he take uh, tax? Should should he were those business expenses or personal expenses? That those sort of questions, mm-hmm. and uh, and and then at the height of his addictions, uh, he buys uh, a handgun and uh he's he has to fill in a form to get the gun and on that form it asks him if he is you know using drugs it's a very uh, frankly poorly poorly written form the wording is very uh very much suggesting like current are are you currently using drugs um you know my understanding is from 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 talking to to him and those around him um you know he had recently come out of rehab um, and sort of was in and out of addiction uh... maybe he thought he wasn't uh, uh... uh... using actively when he fills out the form maybe he was lying on the form it's unclear but that's a very yeah. sort of novel Uh, case. Uh, Usually uh, they bring charges related to that form uh, to try to uh, basically flip a witness against somebody else. So it would be unusual. It would be an unusual case to bring. uh, And we're going to see what uh, what Weiss decides to do. And and we don't know how soon he's going to make these decisions.
0: Right. And I'm understanding that uh, Biden's lawyers are saying that uh, usually for that potential gun violation, that charges are dealt with civil actions instead of criminal charges. But but we're. We're going to get to the the sort of uh, the background on Hunter Biden um, and how that plays into where he and the president find themselves right now. But just to stick with sort of this most urgent moment, because he could get charged, right? I mean, we don't yet know if Weiss is going to bring or not bring charges. And again, for, as you said, two two years of failing to meet tax return filing deadlines in 2016 and 2017. And um lying on the the form about purchasing uh, when he wanted to purchase a handgun in 2018. I understand that um, Hunter Biden recently uh, met with his attorneys, uh, I mean, at the Justice Department or in the Justice Department um, in anticipation of possibly being charged. So is this actually uh, truly an urgent situation for him?
1: I I don't believe Hunter accompanied his lawyers to that meeting. Uh, This was sort of a... um, what, what happens uh, at, at various points is the, the attorneys for Hunter Biden want to get a chance to talk to the prosecutors um, to make a presentation about why they think they should not proceed with these various charges. And I think this most recent uh, uh, meeting that took place at the Justice Department was mainly an opportunity for his lawyers to try to argue for why the gun charge uh, should not be brought uh, based on, uh, you know, uh, precedent and history of, of it not being brought as a standalone charge. So, but you're right, um, you know, th- that meeting maybe uh, is uh, one of the final steps. Uh, before uh, Weiss and the Justice Department make their decisions but frankly um, you know uh, for people that have been following this closely uh, it's very hard to make predictions about timing um, it could be that they're waiting for this for another case to be uh, an opinion in a, in a in another case to be issued which m- may clear the way for the gun charge but honestly we just we just don't know how quickly or how long it's going to take.
0: Hmm. Okay. So that big investigation five years ago narrowed down um, uh, at the U.S. Attorney's office in Delaware to these two uh, potential um, charges. But nevertheless, um, regardless of how those go, and we'll we'll talk a little later, Adam, about if if Hunter Biden actually gets charged, what impact that could have on his father, President Biden. But I wanted to just step back a little bit and and return to where you started with the sort of web of connections um, and business dealings that Hunter Biden has had. I mean, you pointed out uh, Ukraine and China. I want to spend a minute really understanding the details about that the Burisma um, board membership in Ukraine, because, of course, that brings in, uh, you know, President Donald Trump, when he put pressure on then new Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky to open an investigation into uh, Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. Remind us how Hunter Biden actually ended up on the Burisma board.
1: Well, what happens is, uh, you know, uh for many years, Hunter was working as a, uh, uh, you know, w- with domestic companies. Uh, his father becomes vice president. Uh, y- y- you know, there's pressure for him to stop the work that he's doing uh, as a lobbyist. So he needs to find new, uh, new ways to make money to support uh, his family, and they have a, a rather expensive lifestyle in Washington. And so he uh, has a business partner. The business partner um, is a very active. Uh, Uh, Around the world, he's got business deals that he's working on in China. He's got business deals that he's working on uh, in the in the in the former Soviet Union countries, Uh, and he is in Moscow, uh, and uh, and he meets uh, the uh, oligarch that controls this company in Ukraine, Burisma, Uh, and they have a meeting. And uh, basically, what happens is is the um, uh, you know. Burisma decides it's going to bring Hunter's business partner and put him on the board. What happens is, is, uh, you know, they learn that that, uh, the business partner's uh, partner is Hunter Biden, the son of the vice president, and uh, they offer Hunter a seat on the board. Uh, Hunter decides he's not going to tell his father about this. They're Keeping it from his father um, because they sort of have this um, don't ask don't tell tradition in the family. Hunter's business stuff he keeps you know his father doesn't want to be involved in that um, because of his role you know originally in the Senate on key committees. So it's it, they just had kind of had this firewall tradition in the family. So he doesn't tell his dad uh, and he joins the board uh, of this company and they're going to pay him. Uh, a, a lot of money uh, every month, and uh, for being on the board. Um, and you know the the reason why you know Hunter wants to do it um, is obviously it's it's a it's a lot of money. He 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 believes that um, you know at this point in time Russia has intervened militarily in Ukraine and has seized Crimea. So in his mind, he he believes that. Uh, you know, the energy security of Ukraine and its independence from Russia is in not only Ukraine's interest, but in the West's and the United States's interest. So he, he thinks what he's doing for Burisma is is aligned with U.S. policy. Some of uh, the State Department officials who worked on Ukraine matters were very uncomfortable with Hunter's decision to take this position on the board because they thought it undermined their message about the importance of combating corruption in Ukraine, something that Joe Biden himself said frequently. Mm. Adamant is just hang
0: on for a second. We have to take a quick break. We'll pick up the story when we come back. This is On Point. Support for the On Point podcast comes from Indeed. This is On Point. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. And today, Adam Entis joins us. He's an investigative reporter for The New York Times, and he's reported extensively on Hunter Biden, President Joe Biden's son. And so today we're we're asking Adam to help us understand the details about Hunter Biden uh, and his activities, the details that uh, are behind the headlines. So, um, Adam, pick up where you left off about the story about Biden, Hunter Biden's presence on the, the Burisma Board. I, I first of all just want to understand clearly that was there wasn't any, anything necessarily about Hunter Biden and his own personal expertise in the energy sector that qualified him to be on that board, right?
1: You know, uh, you know, as you probably know, companies uh, you know pick their board members for various reasons. Often, it's uh, figurehead right um what was going on in the minds of the oligarch who decided to put hunter on the board uh, i i don't know because i've actually never uh, never spoken to him to find out but from talking to people around him uh you know he you know was concerned that uh his company and he was perceived in ukraine as being pro russian he was perceived this way and he wanted to uh kind of reset the narrative he wanted charisma to be seen as pro-Ukrainian, not pro-Russian, uh, and maybe he thought by putting Hunter Biden, the son of the vice president, who was extremely popular uh, in Ukraine as as sort of the leading of the American effort to help Ukraine, by putting Hunter on the board, he probably thought that that was a way for him to demonstrate uh, that he was not pro-Russian. Um, so I think it's it's hard to know uh, you know, why, uh, why uh, that oligarch made the decisions that he made. Um, but I think that's part of it. He, he also was under investigation inside of Ukraine. He had rivals in the government at the time in Kyiv. And maybe he thought that having Hunter Biden on the board would maybe intimidate some of those rivals. Um, mm-hmm. But again, we don't really know. But for, for Hunter, from his perspective— you know, he went to Yale uh, Law School. Uh, he he did. He was working. Uh, you know, and uh, he was getting into the energy uh, sector. Uh, that's what he does. Also with China uh, later. That get that also mm-hmm. becomes a subject of scrutiny. Um, his business partner, the 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 main the person who initially got the uh, deal with Barisma, uh, he certainly is sort of a mover and shaker in the world of finance and Wall Street, and so. At the time, Barisma was looking at uh, basically raising funds to expand uh, 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 outside of Ukraine. And so, you know, including in the United States, in Mexico and other places. So I think part of the, the play on the part of Barisma was uh, not having... Uh, this be a Ukrainian company anymore, but a global company. Mm. And so that was what they were thinking. Mm. Um, that said, uh, you know, I think it's safe to say that, uh, you know, if not for who Hunter Biden's father was a uh, vice president, uh, you know, I'm I'm not convinced that Burisma would have been interested in putting him on the board. So, uh, you know, I think he does. Uh, clearly in this case uh, and in some of the others uh, benefit from who his father is uh, getting opportunities that he might not have gotten otherwise.
0: And do we know you would said earlier that uh, that uh, Joe Biden and and Hunter Biden didn't necessarily talk about uh, Hunter Biden's business. Right. But do we know if there was any conversation or contact between the two about his work on the Burisma board at all during the time he was on the board?
1: Yeah, I mean, as it, be, best I can tell, uh, Joe Biden, the vice president, finds out that his son is on the board because he gets these daily press clippings that are delivered to him by members of his staff. And when, they got, when he got the clippings the day after the board seat was announced for Hunter, uh, the head, there was a headline in the clippings. Uh, that his son had joined the board. My understanding is, is uh, and, w- and what I've reported in uh, in, uh, uh, in the original New Yorker piece is, it is at one point after that, um, uh, Joe Biden uh, calls his son and and basically just says, "I hope you know what you're doing, son," hmm. and uh, and Hunter says, "I do, Dad," and that's pretty much it uh, in terms of interactions, um, and I think. You know, to understand the context of that conversation, one needs to understand the dynamics that are going on in the family at that stage. Um, You know, uh, Hunter's older brother and closest friend, uh, Bo, has terminal cancer, Mm -hmm. and uh, the family is really in the grips of dealing with that they're really worried about money uh you know how are they going to make ends meet if when Bo dies which is inevitable and he's got two kids you know how is Hunter going to be able to step in and basically become you know this the you know we going to step into the shoes that Bo has in the family and so that was the context in which these discussions are being had. Um, there isn't a, a lot of appetite for confrontation over these uh, over these matters. Um, you know, they have the family has a real crisis on its hands, yeah. um, and uh, and that takes precedence, I think, over you know, uh, the political, potential political backlash or pressure that comes from the disclosure that Hunter takes the Burisma seat.
0: Okay. Um, one last thing about uh, Hunter Biden on the Burisma board, because um, as vice president, Joe Biden did call for uh, the removal of a uh, of a high-level Ukrainian prosecutor. Um, but was that at the time that... Uh, uh, Hunter Biden was on the Burisma board and um if if memory serves um that prosecutor uh, he Biden was calling for the removal of the prosecutor not because he was investigating Burisma but because he was not investigating Burisma
1: yeah, so this is it. It's sort of an interesting episode because I think it has been so mischaracterized. Uh, what What happens is is there's a lot of frustration in uh, in the embassy, in the United States embassy in Kiev, um, about you know whether the Ukrainians are going after uh, oligarchs for corruption, and one of the one of several oligarchs that they're that the U- Americans and the British uh, government. W- you know, are accusing of potentially being involved in corruption is the oligarch that runs Burisma. And so um, the embassy is, some people at the embassy who who are focused on these corruption issues are agitating uh, to say something about uh, this oligarch. But, you know, Hunter Biden's now on the board of of that company. Uh, And so what happens is, is the ambassador at the time, the U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, he gives a speech in which he basically criticizes uh, the prosecutor general of Ukraine for not going after, uh, for not uh, being aggressive enough uh, about going after corruption. And he singles out this particular oligarch, and, you know, what what happens is, is uh, there's kind of shock in uh, at the company Burisma, they feel like they're being singled out and they don't know why. Um, and so what what actually happens later is uh, Biden, um, you know, obviously at the urging of that ambassador of other advisors, wants him to raise this issue with uh, the with the leader of Ukraine at the time. And he does. And basically that prosecutor is removed. So. It's not that it's not that uh, uh, Joe Biden fires the prosecutor to protect his son. He's 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 pushing for this prosecutor to be fired because people at the embassy don't think he's seriously going after the oligarchs, including the one that is, uh, you know, who runs the company that's paying Hunter Biden all this money. So in some ways, it's almost the opposite of the way uh, that it has been presented. Uh, And, uh, you know, frankly, all of this puts a spotlight once again on Hunter Biden's uh, position on the board and it's very uncomfortable uh, for the Bidens at this stage because of this spotlight so that that's the story so the the prosecutor you know uh, in the minds at least of the US officials who worked on corruption issues in Kyiv was not going after this oligarch and you know Joe Biden is asked by his aides to Deliver this message to Poroshenko, the leader of Ukraine, and uh, what happens is that guy is uh, that guy is fired, and somebody new is brought mm. in. Um, and shortly, by the way, after the new prosecutor general is brought in, the oligarch that runs Barisma actually leaves Ukraine. Um, I, I, that's again, I haven't spoken to him; he hasn't agreed to interviews, but after that prosecutor is gone, that's when he becomes concerned that maybe he will be prosecuted uh, in Ukraine.
0: Mm, Okay. So a little later in the show, I want to, again, get get as many details as you can uh, about his China dealings, just as you did uh, regarding his Ukraine dealings. And we're going to talk about that laptop too. But you've also done some rather unique reporting about the, the family context uh, with the Bidens and, again, the, the relationship between the president and his son. Um, and last October, as news of Hunter Biden's potential criminal charges began to surface, President Joe Biden spoke with CNN's Jake Tapper, and we have that tape here. Uh, and Biden said he was proud of his son for being straightforward about his battle with drug addiction.
1: I I, I, have, I have great confidence in my son. I love him. And uh, he's on a
0: straight and narrow, and he has been for a couple years now. And I'm just so proud of him. that okay, so was President Joe Biden last October. Um, and in a recorded conversation from December 3rd, 2018, this conversation was uh, leaked from Hunter Biden's laptop. Uh, Hunter Biden reflected on the lifetime of support he's received from his father.
1: The person that has live that life that has given me this life Mm. is the person i most admire in the world and i would never change it Mm. because it's bigger than me Mm. everyone else thinks it talks about how how can you be as good as your dad i'm better than my dad Mm. Mm. you know why i'm better than my dad because my dad tells me i'm better than him Mm. since i was two years old
0: Hunter biden in a recorded conversation from 2018. now adam um as people might know, uh, the other Biden son, Beau Biden, he had this promising political career. He had served in the armed forces, dies tragically from uh, a brain, uh, brain tumor. Um, and to this day, President Joe Biden talks about Beau all the time. How would you describe in light of that what is the, the true relationship between Joe Biden and Hunter?
1: Well, I think you have to go back in time to you know when they were very young and there was a terrible car accident where their mother and their baby sister died and uh, you know so Joe Biden is a single dad as a young senator and he's got these two boys at that stage and the family sort of all comes together uh, to try to help him raise these these boys and so you have this incredibly tight-knit family um, and you know, Joe Biden, you know, say what you will about his politics or whatever. He really, really loves his sons and his sons adore him. And, you know, what happens is, is, you know, uh, you know, Bo very early on, he's the firstborn son. He He's going to follow and he's going to be the one who's going to follow in his, funds, his father's footsteps. And Hunter, um, you know, he is going to sort of be the you know, guy behind the scenes who's helping his brother achieve his dreams. The family dream is Joe Biden is going to be president first, and then Bo is eventually going to become president. And the two brothers are going to help their father become president, and after he's president for two terms, Bo Biden, the fantasy, the family fantasy, is he's going to become president, and Hunter is going to help his brother achieve that. That is that's the family story in a nutshell, and you know while Bo is in you know go moves into politics, and obviously we know Joe Biden is in politics. They're not making a lot of money. Uh, Hunter goes into business, and that's sort of his thing, and he's there to support the two politicians in the family that don't have very much money. And and I don't mean support financially, although you know I, you know th- this is. You know, maybe sometimes he's paying for you know vacation homes. I'm not really sure, but um, you know the uh, you know he is he is there to basically help advance help them advance in their political ambitions, mm-hmm. which he shares. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what happens is is Hunter has this there's this there's this terrible kind of curse in the family addiction, which goes if you know I did this whole history of the Biden family, and this is like really, really bad on both sides of the family. It goes, you know, every genera- every generation has this problem. And, you know, Joe Biden never drank, and he told his his sons not to drink. Um, he, you know, pleaded with them not to drink until they were 21. And, you know, Beau was sort of the straight arrow. They called him sort of the sheriff growing up. He did everything by the book. And he didn't drink, right, until after he was 21. For There's a brief period where he... Uh, drinks Uh, I wouldn't he was I don't really consider him to be in uh, in any way having a drinking problem but he drinks like a normal person would he drinks a lot sometimes um, but then he suddenly stops Mm. he stops he stops that drinking Hunter you know really is Really does drink a lot, um, but he doesn't realize that he has a drinking problem until uh, pro, you know, shortly at, you know, in the early two thousands when he realizes he has a drinking problem, and he decides he's going to go into rehab because he realizes it's uh, it's causing problems with him between him and his wife uh, with the family because he's not there for the for the three kids they've got, and so he goes to rehab. Bo is the one who takes him to rehab. Bo is the one who, when he comes back from that first rehab, accompanies him, a Hunter, who, who's definitely not as uh, social. He's a little bit more introverted uh, than than Bo. Bo kind of takes him to the first AA meeting, Alcoholics Anonymous meeting, here in in Washington D.C. when he gets back from rehab, and like Bo is the one that finds his sponsor. Mm. You know, Hunter's out smoking cigarettes, and you know, Bo's in there trying to find somebody to help his brother. And that's sort of the relationship that is, is sort of forged between the two where, you know, Hunter depends on Bo yeah. to help keep him sober, yeah. right? And, uh, and then when when Bo, and occasionally he's having relapses, is a constant struggle for Hunter staying sober, but Bo is always there to try to pull him back from the brink. And
0: he's then he, sort
1: of the, hunt, the hunter whisperer in the family, yeah. if you will.
0: And then he dies. And,
1: um, yeah. and so... He's doing this, he's playing this role, and then he's diagnosed uh, with uh, this cancer, which kills him in 2015. And then I like to see Bo is sort of like the safety net. He's sort of the, um, you know, anytime Hunter's going to fall, Bo is there to, you know, kind of dust him off and get him going again. But after Bo is gone, obviously, like, Hunter's incredibly depressed about losing his brother, and he has this relapse, and then Bo is not there to uh, to pick him up, you know, to help him, you know, uh, you know, try to see see the future in a positive way. And Hunter sort of, and Hunter's wife, uh, you know, he, he separates from his wife. He moves out of the house, and he's separated from his daughters. He's sort of alone for the first time in his life, and he really descends into a deep depression. Um, and now that money from Barisma is coming in every month, that's allowing him to kind of keep those balls in the air, pay the mortgage, the jumbo mortgage bill he has, you know, pay for his his three girls to go to this insane, you know, I shouldn't say insane, but very expensive school uh, in Washington, D.C., private school. And so he, uh, you know, uh, that money is critical in kind of allowing him to maintain the lifestyle of his family. But at the Adam, same time, yeah, just hang in here for a second.
0: I'm so sorry to interrupt, but it's a really compelling story I just have to take a quick break and we'll hear the rest of it when we come back this is On Point did you kill Marlene Johnson I think you're one of the first people to have actually asked from WBUR and ZSP Media this is Beyond All Repair a new podcast about an unsolved murder that will leave you questioning everything Somebody should be in jail for murdering my sister. A woman who's never been believed. As long as they think I have done this, then they're not looking for who actually did this. And that's what makes it a cold case.
1: No, it's a botched case.
0: And a search for the truth, once and for all.
1: Wow, it just gets more interesting.
0: Beyond all repair. Listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Be careful. You're digging in a place that's been very peaceful for a while. Do it anyway, dig.
0: This is On Point. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty, and Adam Entis is with us today. He's an investigative reporter at The New York Times, and he's been reporting for several years uh, on Hunter Biden uh, and the Biden family. And Adam, before the break, you were talking to us about how after Beau Biden's death in 2015, Hunter Biden sort of uh, descends into a relapse with his addiction, trying to hold himself and uh, his life together. Also, uh, still being on the board of Burisma at the time. I mean, is this the period in which uh, he's making uh, some of the decisions uh, regarding uh, tax filing and that application to purchase a gun that are now um, hounding him as possible uh, indictments that could come from the U.S. attorney in Delaware?
1: Yeah, when he when he joins the board of Burisma, uh, he is sober. He's sto- He's sober and he knows what he's doing. You know, a lot of people say it was the wrong decision. It was definitely a questionable decision. But he was sober then. But once we're we're kind of in the summer of 2015, he is uh, he's 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 an alcoholic again, and he is beginning to dabble with drugs. Right? He and and eventually, uh, you know, maybe the following uh, summer, 2016, uh, he becomes a crack addict. And you know, yes, at that point, he is not in a good place. And several of the encounters that Republicans point to between, uh, you know, Joe Biden, uh, who's vice president at this point, and some of Hunter's business associates from Burisma and, 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 and some of uh, the, uh, the other places where he's doing business or trying to do business. That's where these encounters take place. For example, Hunter has a birthday party. You know, they're, they're having a birthday dinner. He and his business partners invite some of their business associates, and Joe Biden stops by to spend a few minutes with them. And uh, these are the moments that Republicans are pointing to as examples where the, this line between, the, the, to try to make the case that Joe Biden was involved in his son's business activities. And the context here. Is that uh, Hunter is uh, you know becoming increasingly hard to uh, hard to control? He's becoming increasingly erratic in his behavior as because of his addictions, he is not really being responsive to his father, who is constantly texting him to see how he's doing. Because Joe Biden knows that his son is going through this difficult period, and so the context here is f- frankly that Joe Biden wants to do a. Uh, wants to see his son, even if it's just for a few minutes. Mm. And so he'll swing by the restaurant where these dinners are having and in order to basically just to see his uh, son, to see how he's doing because he's worried about him. Uh, but, you know, there's this other guy there who happens to be from Burisma. And, you know, from talking to other people who are at these dinners, basically Joe Biden will... You know, he's he's a politician, he'll go around the room, shake people's hands, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it was a superficial interactions, as best I can tell, not substantive, uh, and uh, so not really what Republicans are describing, but rather, you know, the actual story is really kind of a sad one of a father who is really worried about losing his second son after he lost uh, Beau and wanting to keep him as close as possible and just make sure he's okay. Yeah. And that's that exposed him, created these liabilities that were obviously not intended uh, by any of them, but just sort of happened you know, because of the circumstances that were going on in the family mm-hmm. at the time.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, I know... Um, th- these dealings are so entangled, it, it it's sort of hard to summarize them. But I'm wondering if you could just give us the, the brief summary of how we should understand Hunter Biden's uh, China business dealings, because there is, does seem to be an allegation there that um, Joe Biden himself may have somehow benefited from that. So set the record straight from what
1: you know, Adam. Yeah. So basically what's happening is, is Hunter's got the Burisma Money coming in, right? But he, he's kind of falling behind on everything financially. He needs, he wants to try to get another another big deal. And there was this Chinese oligarch that ran this energy company who was basically trying to get deals with all sorts of prominent people and people who are connected to prominent people people. You know, he mainly actually, frankly, focused on the Republican side of the aisle. At that point, Donald Trump was just elected president. Um, you know, he and he's, uh, you know, uh, doing deals with uh, people who are close to Donald Trump. But he also at the same time is uh, and maybe he's hedging. It's not really clear what the oligarch is up to because um, he he sort of disappeared uh, later on. But he, uh, you know, is courting hunter biden and hunter biden is courting him to try to get this to try to get a deal um and uh this is this kind of starts in earnest in 2017 joe biden is no longer vice president um he's out of government and you know he and and hunter is trying to get this deal with this oligarch this chinese oligarch and frankly the chinese oligarch is sort of like not really committing to it Um, And this is sort of what's going on. Eventually, Hunter uh, does get sort of a preliminary uh, deal with this oligarch and some uh, some uh, a few million dollars uh, is I can't remember if it's three or five is uh, is transferred uh, to, uh, you know, sort of a holding company uh, here in the U.S., um, you know, Hunter has several business partners in this deal um, initially, and then eventually it's just him and he, he brings his uncle, uh, uh, you know, Jimmy Biden in on it. Um, they're trying to get this big deal with this Chinese uh, oligarch and basically what happens is uh, separately uh, unbeknownst to Hunter and apparently unbeknownst to the oligarch, uh, the uh, Justice Department and the FBI were investigating one of his associates, one of the oligarch's associates for uh, allegedly paying uh, bribes in Africa and so uh, what happens is the FBI uh, goes and uh, and arrests uh, this this guy, this uh, associate of the oligarch, and then the next thing you know, the oligarch, uh, you know, who's, who's, who's sort of living in New York most of the time, jumps on a private plane, goes back to China, and then he's arrested mm. uh, on allegations of corruption. And that deal falls through. This is, this is the deal that Hunter was hoping was going to really be the biggest deal of his life, and it, it doesn't come together. This is at a time when he's constantly smoking crack Uh, You know, and drinking and the rest. So he is definitely not at his uh, sharpest and thinking he's not thinking clearly uh, at this stage. Yeah. Uh, And that's in a nutshell what happens with the Chinese oligarch.
0: Okay, well, so then um, we have some tape from May 10th, uh, just a couple of weeks ago from the House Oversight committee, uh, they, the, the GOP um, part of the House Oversight Committee, uh, held a press conference to discuss its investigations into the Biden family. And while the committee found no wrongdoings by President Biden, uh, its reporter allegedly found that family members received millions of dollars without merit. And so here's committee chair James Comer of Kentucky. These were targeted and specific subpoenas, and each was different based on the information we believed The banks possessed. Every one of those subpoenas returned valuable information that had been unreported and that contributed to this committee's understanding of how the Bidens conducted their businesses. The committee is concerned by the complicated suspicious network of over
1: 20 companies. We have identified the Bidens and their associates used to enrich themselves.
0: So Adam is the money that Comer is talking about there the same money that that you were just mentioning that Hunter Biden was receiving from his China business dealings?
1: Well he uh, Comer is talking about all these various, all you know, he's talking, okay. Burisma. he's talking about Barisma, he's talking about the China deal. There was an earlier China deal that Hunter was involved in an equity fund um, you know he briefly works as a, he briefly works as a lawyer representing uh, a guy in uh, Romania that you mentioned. Um, you know, so this is all these things that he's involved in, right? And he's also got these business associates who all have their own uh, kind of holding companies. That, that that these are consultants basically, and they all have their own companies uh, that that they uh, when they make money, the the money goes to these companies, and so. You know, so yes, there is there is a web of, uh, of various uh, uh, companies, uh, and Hunter has business partners for these various things. And uh, in the case of the ones where he's partnering with uh, with others, uh, that money is then split, uh, you know, evenly between the various partners, and Hunter gets a chunk, and the other partner gets a chunk. Um, and you know what happens is is that Hunter gets his third, let's say, of, of, of a payment. Um, and you can see this in the emails, uh, that have emerged, um, that, uh, you know, his daughter, his daughters are going to school, like they're going to university, uh, some of them, and, uh, and they, they need money. And, and so every, you know, every month he is basically using Venmo or something else like, like that to basically wire money to his daughters, uh, Jimmy Biden, who's, who's a partner in the China deal with Hunter, he has also kids and he's sending money to kids. So when, when Comer talks about family members, you know, some of the people he's talking about are basically the grandkids of Joe Biden who are basically in their 20s. Uh, who are going to universities Mm. so yes they they get some money so that they can pay their rent and pay their tuition and buy books and stuff like that Um, you know at some point at some points hunter does transfer money uh, to Hallie Biden who he was in a relationship with Hallie is uh, Bo's widow and hunter later has a relationship with her and uh, you know she's needs money and so he sends money to her there's a, a you know And there's another relative Hunter sending money to. So there is, you know, he's not wrong that there's money uh, that he gets, that Hunter gets as part, you know, his share of these various business deals that then Hunter then pays out to these other individuals. But uh, as best I can tell from looking at those uh, at those uh, transactions, they're very uh, they're very banal kind of family transactions where he's, you know, supporting his own kids Mm, or, or Jimmy Biden is supporting his own kids.
0: Okay. But, you know, here we have uh, the son of a vice president and now president who repeatedly gets involved in business dealings with um, oligarchs who, you know, their own business practices can be very shady and some of whom, as you've described, Adam, have been under investigation not only in their own countries but by the U.S. as well. I mean, Hunter keeps doing this. Do you think that President Joe Biden um has essentially given his son a pass on his questionable business dealings because of what you said earlier that he doesn't he's concerned about losing another son.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think uh you know, I th- I think that's right. I mean, I think that you know, the whole family or Joe Biden, I mean, regardless of whether, you know, again, I don't see any uh I'm not expecting DOJ uh, n- there's no information we have that that crimes were committed here right with regard to hunter working with that oligarch or 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 the, either yeah. in China or Ukraine or in Romania right so these are um, these are deals uh, with these individuals that many other people, are making as well, mm. right? So there's there's really nothing unusual. There's very little that I can see that's unusual about these deals, uh, in, except for who his father is um, and the attention that comes with that, right? And so the wisdom of him doing these things, regardless. Let's separate the legality question from it, but just the the wisdom of it. The um, you know was it was it the smart thing to do? I think, you know, Hunter himself acknowledges uh, some of these were probably a mistake. Right. And uh, and uh, but why doesn't Joe Biden or other members of his family or advisors to Joe Biden step in to basically say to Hunter, you got to stop doing this kind of stuff?
0: Yeah, because it doesn't have to be a crime for it to redound back on his dad's political career.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, the threshold is obviously, you know, uh, political uh, damage, right, and li- political liabilities rather than legal liabilities in these cases. In many of these cases, and so yeah, I mean, to me, it, uh, you know, I, I, one of the things I wanted to understand is why doesn't Joe Biden say, "Hey, look, it just it just looks bad. Like, don't do it, right? Why doesn't he do that?" And I think that comes back to what you mentioned, which is, you know, f- you know, basically Joe Biden. You know, maybe maybe he feels a little guilty because, you know, a lot of the scrutiny that comes and is focused on his son is because of his choices to be in politics, right? I mean, if Joe Biden wasn't, uh, you know, running for president or president or vice president or a senator, you know, there wouldn't be the scrutiny of Hunter Biden. Right, mm-hmm. his son, and so maybe he maybe there's an element of uh, of of guilt. Uh, maybe there's I think more my my personal assessment. You know, Joe Biden certainly hasn't told me this. This is just my uh, reading of it. Is that you know he was just very we're uh, very worried about pushing Hunter away at a time in his life where he was incredibly sensitive and you know and and, and liable to run. You know, Hunter. I don't think Hunter would have, you know, uh, necessarily uh, killed himself, but he thought that his lifestyle would eventually kill him. Um, He knew that. And, uh, you know, and so if you're the dad who loves the son and just and the whole family loves Hunter and they, you know, they just are afraid what's going to happen. And so, again, I'm projecting here because I do not know what uh, Joe Biden is thinking, but my personal assessment, as a father myself, is he was af- he was just afraid that if he pushed too hard, he would uh, you know Hunter would would disappear from his life, you know maybe yeah. physically uh, if mm-hmm. not you know geographically mm-hmm. and emotionally.
0: Well, Adam Entis, investigative reporter at The New York Times who's been reporting on Hunter Biden and the Biden family for years now. Adam, thank you so much for uh, giving us all the details, the important details behind the ongoing questions regarding Hunter Biden.
1: It was a pleasure to be here.
0: Next time on the show, we're going to talk about medical aid in dying. Vermont recently expanded access to terminally ill out-of-state residents who are seeking medications to aid their death. Three times as many states have medical aid in dying laws now, as did five years ago. But still, 80% of states do not. So we'll talk about what is and isn't changing in how individuals and the law approach medical aid in dying. This listener in Nevada called to share her story. Her husband had stage 4 pancreatic cancer. He had so much pain that he could barely sleep. He highly valued his cognitive functioning, so he did not want to take much of the narcotics hospice supplied. There was little other relief that could be offered. He finally committed suicide by gunshot to end his pain. Though it was terribly traumatic to find him, I do not blame him. Only I saw the severe suffering he endured. We are more humane to our animals and chains than we are to our fellow humans. That's next time on the show. I'm Magna chakrabarti This is On Point.